Yo, listen up, here's the story About a little guy that lives in a blue world And all day and all night and everything he sees is just blue Like him, inside and outside Blue his house with a blue little window And a blue Corvette And everything he sees is blue For him and himself And God Nobody to listen, to listen, to listen, to I'm blue, 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 So I, I, the, the, the movie Iron Man 3 opens with a title card and it's like 1999. You don't need that. No, 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 no. You're listening to Eiffel 65. You know, it's 1999. It can't be any other year. But no, it does not open with the, the only good needle drop in the only actual needle drop in the Iron Man series, like, or the only one in this movie, if you've noticed, and it's the best one. It is the only one. It's the best one. No, but this movie opens with Tony Stark like narrating in media res. Oh, and he right. says yeah, he says that thing. Um a creative man once said, We create our own demons, which feels like his equivalent to the uh Michael Scott, you take one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Uh Magic Johnson, Michael Scott, or whoever, Michael Jordan. Said that. Wayne Gretzky. Wayne, Gre- Wayne. Wayne Gretzky. I'm not a sports person. Miguel. No, cut, but cut, I just I Miguel cut to me saying Wayne Gretzky. When there were, when I was in like grade nine or something, there was one of the classrooms just had like all these inspirational quotes students had printed out and pasted to the wall, like you know, like the kind you see on like pictures of sunrises now. And one of them was up there, and I was just I always remembered staring at it and just thinking, God, that's stupid. <laughs> For hours and hours of my life. So it's bl- burned in there. Uh, so anyways, hi guys. It's it's Nicole and Stu. We're, we're back. I'm Stu. It's marvelous. And we are talking about Iron Man 3, which to our complete surprise is not terrible. I liked it more than I think I liked it the first time I saw it. I think part of that has to do with um, the watching these all in rapid order and in the context of living in the 2020s after a decade of this stuff, the the bar has been lowered and lowered and lowered and lowered that you watch like a, a perfectly decent movie like this and it's a slight breath of fresh air. Yeah. A, a, a gasp. Maybe a little bit, uh, which isn't really to knock the, but I mean, this is probably one of the last ones we're going to get before they really kind of get the, um, the assembly line running. Oh, baby. The next one is Thor, the dark world. Yeah. You know, this This and the first guardians are probably like the last kind of like approximations of real movies we're going to get, I think. Um, yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, I remember this movie being controversial. When it get like controversial in like the nerd sense, because the big twist of this movie is that the Mandarin is not actually the Mandarin. It's oh uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's uh, kind of shitting all over the comic book lore. Which I, 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 I suspect. 
I'm I don't yeah I don't really I think it care. was a, it's it's the thing that really makes this movie stand out like a deliberate subversion of fanboy expectations that people are still mad about I guess well I I can understand if you're really attached to like because I mean well that's the this the, this is why I'm not very pedantic about well I mean lore is less important to me than I guess I don't know theme or character or vibe but when you're adapting this kind of stuff there's no um there's no like hard canon everything's been through so many writers and so many variations and parallel universes and retcons i feel like as long as you get a basic idea of what resonates about a character or, or arc you can kind of do whatever you with whatever you want with it, it doesn't matter because it's not it's not like adapting like a novel that has like a specific definite version uh, that yeah. you need to be that you need to uh, respond to. Um, but I, I guess I can understand where it's like if you're like, oh, there's this really awesome Iron Man arc. I've never read an Iron Man comic um, where the Mandarin does this or that. And I was hoping to see that in a movie, and I did. I could, I could see that being kind of disappointing. But yeah, but um, I think I think that the twist of this movie is a what makes it stand out, and b it just feels kind of rare now especially with the marvel movies we get today uh that are again just so formulaic and this one has like shane black has a lot more fun with iron man as a concept uh that i really wish he would have just been the director of all these movies and not john favreau uh, but yeah, I mean, we we talked about in the first one how he was on the phone, kind of providing on the fly, uncredited yeah. rewrites to the first movie. So it, it kind of makes sense they'd bring him in after Iron Man Two was uh, uh, a disappointment. Well, let me let for for anyone who either has not seen Iron Man Three, hasn't watched it in a while, or which I imagine just flat out doesn't give a fuck. Uh, which don't blame you. It's a stupid Iron Man movie, but anyways, so, here's- so imagine a man and and imagine Iron. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what happens. Um, yeah, I'm I'm back again with providing a little summary. So hit it, Miguel. Iron Man is back. Tony Stark, genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, and likely Epstein associate, returns for the third and final Iron Man movie. Unless you count Age of Ultron, Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, Infinity War, or Endgame, all of which are pretty much Iron Man movies except in name. John Favreau was too dedicated to making Chef to do anything but be in a coma for most of the runtime, so he passed the reins off to lethal weapon director Shane Black, also Writer. known for his... No, he directed it. Sorry. Did he? Yes. Oh. I just always heard the stories about how it was like the, the um, like, what is like the was like like the like like the highest like amount anyone ever got paid to sell a screenplay? Uh, sorry, cut that out. I'm stupid yeah. and wrong. Mi I apologize. Miguel, no, Miguel, leave that in, but put it like. <laughs> Lethal Weapon director Shane Black, also known for his uncredited dialogue contributions to Iron Man One and telling big pussy jokes in Predator. Having flown a nuke into a wormhole and started a nationwide shawarma trend, Tony Stark is now suffering from PTSD after Loki's attack on New York and the Avengers. Instead of going to fucking therapy, 
Tony channels his issues into making more flying robot suits while his kind of girlfriend, Pepper Potts, girl bosses Stark Industries now that he's an emotionally unavailable superhero 24-7. In true Tony Stark fashion, when a series of explosive terrorist attacks perpetrated by a guy who goes by the Mandarin harshes America's vibes, rather than minding his own goddamn business, Tony investigates and discovers a conspiracy tied to his own past, the U.S. government, and a plot twist nerds are still angry about nearly 10 years later. Meanwhile, a no longer physically disabled man who Tony blew off at a Y2K party to go fuck Rebecca Hall uh, offers Stark Industries another chance to invest in a totally ethical bioengineering startup called AIM. Nope, not instant messaging, but instant limb regrowth and rejuvenation for willing military guinea pigs. In addition to Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin and Guy Pearce as Aldrich Killian, new faces to Iron Man's cast include the GOAT Miguel Ferrer as Vice President, one of the annoying kids from Jurassic World playing a marginally less annoying kid, Death from Bill and Ted as the President, and special cameo appearances by Bill Maher and the ShamWow guy four years after he got away with beating a sex worker. Shockingly, Iron Man 3 isn't terrible. Third time's the charm, I guess? So, yeah, uh, Iron Man 3, not bad. Uh, it's a, it's a shame that his arc just didn't end here. That's, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> like, like you get a solid conclusion for Tony Stark, but then because they need him for all these other movies and because Robert Downey Jr. like, uh, is the top, the face billing. of the franchise. Yeah. They just they they kind of just gotta kind of unspool them, and, and that's that's the problem with this mega franchise thing is, and and I mean this this is a problem that bleeds into the comics too. Um, is is you can't give a character a nice arc, you can't have a story with a with a beginning and an ending because everybody's marketable everybody needs to keep coming back everybody needs to be in all these different things and contradict themselves like i see people online like oh this is like we saw this the 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 tiktok clip the guy pontificating about making art house dramas set that are just set in the mcu so it's like oh you can have mulholland drive but just iron man's flying around in the background awesome um that 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 really just it made me feel bloodlust like watching Cause, that because the, the the implication as he's talking is like well this is if if marvel's crowding out other culture and other types of movies we just make these types of movies in the mcu and you're like that's your solution not the whole oh maybe one company well, owning of course that's like mis- half of all culture is bad of course that's that guy's solution. <laughs> me sitting in front of wallpaper that is nothing but nerd posters like probably just breathes in his own fart fumes all day. Okay, so you say that, <laughs> but I'm looking at your webcam feed and you're sitting in front of a wall that's nothing but nerd posters. It's just uh, no, a excuse me, tier of nerd. Evangelion <laughs> posters. Big difference. I mean, it's still it's just a different it is a it is a, a superior tier of nerd yeah. dumb, but it is it is still nerd posters. Okay, well we're not we're not here to call the uh you know, 
be accusatory towards each other. We're, we're both I, I don't know. filthy I just, degenerate I just, it, I just, I couldn't, in some capacity. It, 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 it was too funny not to point out. I'm sorry. Um, I, I but you're right. Him. Like, like is it is. But I've, this is one of those things. Like, I don't know. I I wish I could find like a, a sociologist or a psychologist or something, and, I, and, and like figure out what it is that makes people want to to live in this universe that is so hollow. Like, there's so little here to grab onto, um, really. And it's so like that's the thing. So it's like you're a super fan and you watch all of these movies. At, at, at like a TV show, and you get invested in all these characters, and and but but like the obvious contradictions, the 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 state of stasis that that drives everything, because because no one can really change too much because yeah. we need to keep them around uh, for more movies. Um, how does that not take you out of it? Like I get like the casual audience going movie. It's like, oh, a Marvel movie. Those are always fun enough. You go, you watch them, you have fun, you leave, you go watch the next one. Those people I understand completely. Yeah. Uh, but the super fans, I don't get. Um, well, the, with the super fans, part of it is that, you know, megaverse appeal. Like all, again, all the time that they have invested in watching these movies, consuming the narratives forming some sort of emotional attachment to these characters. That is the foundation they are building upon. And these movies are as hollow as the worst of them are. They are specifically designed to appeal to those senses, like on a very surface, shallow level, like they're manufactured to be that way. That uh, is part of those Check building a text. cult like uh i guess but it, but it's also i think just the marvel rubric how it works like the fast quippy dialogue the ground to down to earth sort of realism but not you know too realism that it's like brutal or you know nolan-esque and oppressive it's there's still a bit of humor which is really where the divide between marvel and dcu rears its head and why i think like dcu faltered a lot where marvel took off um but i mean as let's let's talk about this movie more specifically because i think iron man 3 does uh some things different that really work in favor of tony stark and iron man as a character um and also just in general make for a more appealing and more enjoyable watch yeah, like, yeah i don't I, I don't know was it yeah i said the only needle drop in this movie is the in the first two minutes with i'm blue by eiffel what was eiffel it 65 eiffel 65 yeah. yeah which is such a weird fucking band name i don't know but I, well, I mean, they're French. They're fr- yeah, that's true. They're 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 they're, 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 they're like they're, 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 a, they're a European one hit wonder. But like, they, they never even released a second album. Of course not. Correctly. But like one of our one of the things that annoyed me the most about Iron Man one and especially Iron Man two was all the cynical use of rock music. Like the use of the Clash was just insulting. Oh, and that was like they. they that was atrocious. Is a bit like obvious but i get but yeah the the, the clash like I, I talked about it in that one too like the the clash were 
a very left wing. Like they released an album called Sandinista. Yeah, like that's uh, that's just that that's that, that's that's just um, I just disrespectful. Yeah. So that's this. It's it's a great way to start a movie. And I don't know, not everyone's going to agree with that statement, but you and me being like 90s kids, we have in a just natural affinity towards blue. <laughs> that if you, it's, yeah, it's if a you were, if you were a certain age, yeah, like it's just it, like, like, like I was saying, like that, it's a stupid song. It's objectively shitty, but it's an earworm. And it was for that one year, uh, for that, for that one year, 1999, it was everywhere. And it snaps. Um, and it and it will if you're yeah, if you're a certain age, it will take you right back to being six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, playing Tomb Raider, Goldeneye, going to those soda pop and chips birthday parties and being jealous of the kid that had the two foot tall megazord. Um, you know. That's that's what yeah. that song represents to us. Um, so you hear it, and it's just an instant uh, kick of uh, dopamine. Well, and and the thing I like that I like that Shane Black opens in 1999 because we get to see that's one of the, another thing that I criticize about the first Iron Man, especially is like we don't get to see enough of Tony Stark being a dickhead. Uh, no, for for and- for how much the the arcs hinge on him <laughs> being a shitty person, they downplay it way too much and in this movie like the that opening scene is him being a dickhead at this y2k party yeah Uh, and like he's also even throughout the movie he's like a dick to this kid which is great like it it has a lot more fun with tony stark as it finds a better balance of tony stark as like a character you can care about and a protagonist and also like a shitty guy it has it the, has a lot the more smarm, the yeah. smarm uh it does it where it's it does like it he's, better he's watchable but you're like oh he's also a, a prick a and I get why people would i i do because we yeah so he later in the movie you know he kind of his suits all fucked up his house has been blown up he crash lands in uh, it, uh tennessee t- tennessee and you know he meets a a a, a little kid in a disused shop where he's hanging out and fixing his suit and they have it. And I, and normally like those kind of interactions, like, Oh, the superhero or the hero and the, and the, and the kid, the tag kid. Along, it are really grating. And this one handles it surprisingly well. Cause he's like, like the kid is a little bit genuinely annoying in, in like a deliberate way. Yeah. And Tony is like, kind of a dick to him and annoyed by it. <laughs> he drives off. He drives off about him and he's like <laughs> Yeah. So it it manages to be like not to diffuse how cloying those types of uh 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 stories and relationships are without um while still hitting all the same beats, you know? Um like yeah. the kid is like constantly provoking his because he's having panic attacks because he just you know confronted he's a, like because a massive, he's a small bean yeah and the kid is like constantly asking him about what happened in the avengers and provoking his panic attacks well no there's the there's the kid that uh he says i loved you in christmas story 
to which I oh yeah. I thought was funny. that was funny I'm too. Sorry. With the glasses, I found, yeah. There, like Shane, I, I, that Shane sounds Black like it was a a good writer for Tony Stark. I have to say, I I well, like I thought, his that version. That might have been a. A Robert Downey Jr. improv too. That maybe. yeah, that was probably also like again, it's that. But it's hard to tell charm. if it's one or the other. Yeah. But yeah, he's and then the 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 little Christmas story kid also like Tony imagines him saying like what happened in the wormhole in some like demon voice, which is fun. And I do like that they show he he's parked the Iron Man suit in front of the bar like a car, which is little details like that in this movie. Oh yeah, it's just, oh right, it's just when he has his first panic attack in throat, it's just standing, the suit's just out there in the parking spot. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and again, to go back to that opening scene, um, and, and I'm going to have to backtrack something I made a big deal about in episode one, which was the role of Jensen and how he's basically introduced, serves his purpose, and is just shot dead, and we never hear about him again. Well, uh, Shane Black apparently uh, decided to bring him back, but for all of like 30, not even 30 seconds, uh, which I, I guess this, uh, Yinsen, I believe, alluded to him and Tony having met before, and this is probably the moment he was referencing where Tony Stark just blew off a lot of people at this Y2K party. It was not a good yeah. night for him. He's just he's just trying to get some hole. He was he was just trying to get into Rebecca Hall's hole. Um which she is she is very pretty, but he uh his 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 need to smash really pissed off Guy Pierce. He put him in the <laughs> put him on he left him on red. He did. Yeah. He's a uh... Uh, another scorned Lobi turns He's, to evil. It, well, it's even worse because, and this is like, again, this encapsulates why I like this version of Tony Stark in that he's it embraces more of his asshole and dickishness without trying to soften it. Like, Tony Stark blew off a physically disabled man. <laughs> like, like, that's, it makes it so much worse in, in, in that light, like, just in context um so i don't know like the the stuff like that is really um nice and just how unapologetically uh dickish it allows tony to be in that capacity of course like he's not we joke about him being an Epstein associate. There, Marvel was never going to take it that far of course but no no, no but that, like that, this that. is this is a I think this is definitely my favorite iteration of the Iron Man character or my favorite. I mean, the best version in this endless stream of manufactured content yeah. films. Well, if, that's the thing. Like if it was just self-contained or or if it was just like the Avengers was, was kind of a one off and these are otherwise self-contained stories and it was just like Iron Man, the Avengers, Iron Man three and done. It would work pretty decently um and like in general like if you only got if this was like the baseline equality and you had like actual right the writers and directors had like creative autonomy with the characters and you only got these movies like once or twice a year and they you know you can have like i don't know a crossover here and there or, or this character shows up there but like not like you have to like not like a, a tv not just like a big tv show 
and they are self-contained mostly. Like I would be fine. We wouldn't be doing these podcasts. I'd be fine with these movies. I might not like them all or whatever, but I would be fine with them. But it's the fact that it's this, like I said, like there this this self-conscious effort to build a, a mega franchise that just envelops culture and that you live totally within, where you've got your like, you, you you've got you can have a Marvel everything. Marvel shows, Marvel games, you can just exist entirely within one branded thought world is what horrifies me about them. And this this movie, I think, because I mean, we both liked it. Like, it's not amazing. Yeah, we liked it. But even even the, the sheer fact that we liked it proves just how successful the Marvel formula is. Like, this is why it took off. Like, yeah, yeah. We liked it but enough. Just, it, like on, yet, its, on its own, it, it yeah. kind of represents a parallel universe where these movies don't have to be what what they become and are. Right, yeah. like where where it would be a perfectly fine for them. So if, if like if people wonder, it's like, why do you hate these movies? Are you just snobs or whatever? It's like it's not really. It's 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 because they're not this. If yeah. they were this, if if it would be fine. And I it think would it, be perfectly I th- fine. I think it might just come down to certain directors. Like, uh, I'm I'm so glad John Favreau was mostly in a coma for this movie. Except uh, in, in that opening scene, he really looks '90s Happy Hogan. Looks like he's been uh, uh like flashing kids at playgrounds. Oh yeah, he looks he, like he, a he, pervert. He sh- he showed up to like a model tract home in a. In a '93 Tercel <laughs> with, uh, with condoms and coolers, with condoms and coolers in the back, <laughs> and he and he walked through the front door, and there's Chris Hansen asking him to have a seat over there. That's that's what he looks like. He, he offered in, the, in 1999. Yeah, yeah. Which it's, I don't. I mean, I'm assuming that John Favreau was just too busy making his like passion project, Chef, which was. Like an actual like movie he really wanted to make for a long time, um, so maybe yeah. that's why he he's like already I I did two of these I'm still executive producer I'm still fucking in it so I'm imagining that might be part of the reason why he took more I, of a backseat I would and handed the reins over. I really hope we get a like behind the scenes thing because you know like with this big centralized franchise there's got to be all these power struggles for position and, and influence Six, over succession it, right? but it's like takes place the uh marvel cinematic uh universe headquarters well no no really well i mean like because i there's a book i've been meaning to read called disney wars that's about like yeah. the fight to run the company in, like the 80s and 90s yeah. between like bob Iger and jeff katzenberg and these guys and and it sounds really interesting but I, yeah it, it'd be i'd be curious because that stuff ends up reflecting on what comes out and why and you know like 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 uh noted david geffen associate <laughs> jeffrey katzenberg um, yeah like who who would become the animation guy at dreamworks after leaving disney like he set the formula like all those fucking just completely mediocre samey uh cgi kids cartoons that we've been getting for the last 20 years he mm-hmm. basically set the template for why those are all like that yeah um so it'd be interesting to know, like, you know, like between like, I don't know, Favreau and Joss Whedon and, and Kevin Feige and, and whoever, like what went on behind the scenes and when and where they really kind of transitioned to the assembly line model. Yeah. At one um, point, did they decide, OK, 
Like we're dropping Joe Johnson. We're just going to go with the Russos. Like when, and then like, it'll also be interesting to start seeing where Marvel starts picking up that strategy where they pluck small indie directors who have just had a very successful film on the festival circuit and give them hundred, two hundred million dollar budget say yeah. make this movie for us. And and that's the thing is because like most of like a lot of like what I've said about these things is speculation about motivation and what's going on. I mean I know like from the production end like that the assembly line's real, but they're why like you know like saying oh well they pick the indie directors up because they're controllable because you don't have to worry about them going off script or or uh, out of uh, or getting out of control and being god forbid auteurs um so apparently um there's been some rumblings that like sam raimi has not been loving making multiverse of madness oh yeah um yeah i, heard I, I say there's a there's a clip in, an interview with bruce campbell where he's talking about the the constant reshoots and fiddling with the Ugh. movie to squeeze in a cameo from this character or that character because forcing, set this other movie up because forcing sam raimi to reshoot and and do things according to producer mandates that's that that's historically worked in his favor spider-man 3 Yeah, yeah, no, that's it's been. I, oh, I don't, I don't know why me. I sneeze there. I'm just, just allergies, man. It's I mean, I, I'm kind of a believer that like you should never give Sam Raimi more than forty million dollars to make a movie. Um, I, I think he he works best, but I mean that could also just be the, what the studio system does too. I don't know like what's really. I just be like his best movies were all small, somewhat smaller films. Um, let's let's get back to talking about Iron Man. Yeah, because there is like I said, it's. Perfectly some, adequate movie, but and thing, and there are things to say about it, but it's not like uh, some other movies where we can really. Well, I mean, uh, like pick apart as easily. Think, think about it in comparison to the rest of the Iron Man movies, and like, yes, the poli- the noxious war on terror politics are still there. That's that's just the I, undercurrent. I th- that's just the like inevitable undercurrent of these Iron Man movies. I, but I it's, think it's this less movie is. It, it's, it's it's the most coherent political. Now I mean, this is clearing a very low bar. Well, one clear. I just want to caveat with it. One clearing a very low bar. Yeah. Two, by the standards of liberal Hollywood. Three, um, uh, good politics does not a good movie make, and no. vice versa. But looking at the politics of this film, this seems like the most. Uh, and I don't know what Shane Black's I politics mean, the, are. The, uh, the bad guys are a think tank. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty um, gnarly. That, that engineered, based, that that created a fake. So like, yeah, the big twist is the Mandarin is just an actor. It's Ben Kingsley playing just like a, a shitty theater actor who just he, and he's got doing a bunch a of weird, money and drugs. He's doing a weird accent as the Mandarin. Like I couldn't yeah, pick up for, on what the accent was. It was like a. I, think, I don't know. I think it's a joke on British actors having weird American accents. Okay, because at first I was, I, I was he's, like, "Why is why is he sounding like this? This is an Academy Award winning actor." <laughs> yeah, his when he's talking as the Mandarin, he has a weird, yeah, it weird wrong accent. They they talk well. They talk about him when Tony Stark's doing his kind of detective thing on the internet. He's like, you know. um, 
you know, talks like a Southern Baptist preacher, you know, looks yeah, like, yeah, this, yeah, sounds yeah, like that, that talks like a Southern Baptist preacher. It's like the whole point is that he's, his image is kind of incoherent. It's a fortune cookie. Um, it's a fortune yeah, for, cookie. That's yeah. his favorite metaphor. America's a fortune cookie. We've stolen an idea from overseas and repackaged it as our own. Well, he does, he does the thing where he makes these legitimate seeming criticisms of the states. Which um, is a running thing in these Marvel movies where it's like, the villain is right. Like this, this like, in certain capacity, well, Black Panther is like the go-to example where like, the villain is right. Um, I find that's uh, like a kind of a, 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 I mean, that's a recurring motif where you take a criticism you have and you put it in the mouth of the villain. And that gives you like a certain plausible deniability or lets you slip it past the, yeah. the state or corporate censors. So like um, make yeah, make make the correct point, but it ha- the villain has to make it. Which and is, I don't like, like yeah, you can look at it as um you can look at it as saying like you know, the the writer or what or what have you has something they want to slip past the machine that they they perceive as maybe or maybe not being subversive or using their platform. Yeah. And putting it in the mouth of the villain is the way to do it. Or you can see it, look at the flip side and saying it's a way of discrediting these critiques by saying, oh, they're just cynically made by bad guys to justify yeah. their own bad things. And I don't, you, you can't, all you can really do uh, unless they come out and explicitly, unless you know, the writer, director, whoever comes out and explicitly says what they're aiming for, you, you never really know. Well, so I mean, they can yeah. be like, a lot of the 80s action, I mean, we've talked about Robocop, which is a lousy example, were kind of aiming to be whether or not you the audience has picked up on aiming to be a little bit subversive like you know like john mctiernan is like vaguely kind of a left-wing guy if you look at some of his statements right and he made like die hard and stuff and uh, lethal weapon 2 the bad guy is a uh, apartheid south african uh africaner guy so i don't know maybe um but overall like it is yeah it's a the the um the mandarin is a front uh created by this think tank because you know uh guy yep. pierce who's who's also got blackmail material on on the uh, president and, and, the, and the vice well the president vice president is- yeah yeah the what did he, he caught the wait what was it he caught yeah he caught the uh the vice president or the president helped get uh basically exxon oil off yeah for doing a major oil, oil spill, spill which and the president didn't prosecute a guy and that's one of the things they're using to justify getting him out of the way so he can take Which, the vice president he's who's right got, yeah well i mean yeah that's the thing so it's like so the president i mean is still obviously he we got to save him we can't just kill let the president die that would be pretty cool it, it would have been so cool <laughs> especially with the way they like set up his like proposed death where he was just going to be like burnt alive while just strung out on in, this giant in oil rig structure. That would have been so awesome. Now rebranded Iron Patriot. Iron Patriot. Suit. Yeah. Which is like I I have to I don't know. I like that they say I, I like that Iron, they did that based on marketing and focus testing in the Okay. Movie. Okay. Um, because that I they think- re, they the army rebranded him from War Machine to Iron Patriot because War Machine is too militaristic. <laughs> okay. I wasn't yeah, I was more trying to figure out if that was like an original part but i looked it up i think there there is war machine is also known as iron patriot or had like an iron patriot arc in the original comics yeah but it makes but it is a funny both on terms of like how the military does pr 
like you know rebranding like you know oh op- it, it, when they rebranded it to operation iraqi freedom and oh stuff my like god that. yeah and, oh mission operation mission um, accomplished <laughs> yeah yeah and and so like like you know military pr and also probably how marvel works and 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 how those decisions are made and, and pokemon. so like i said like it's 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 a movie that i think you know it does obviously it doesn't go nearly as far as we would no well um, it goes far but it's, enough it's for the people most, to derive like, more meaning from it yeah and 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 i don't like i mean it, 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 it could be like i mean like these movies you see this I mean, again you don't know if it's sincere on the part of the people that have whatever creative agency they have in making it or if it's just purely cynical like oh well you know people turned against the war on terror it's this kind of occupy wall street moment yeah. we should gesture at them um and and you kind of got to evaluate that on a, a movie to movie basis but i think yeah this one is the most coherent in terms of like you know the arms the military industrial complex and corrupt government and the war on terror are maybe bad things. Maybe the war on terror is just uh, a pretext to sell arms and move money around. Yeah, um, I mean, it it helps that like I, as the movie went on, I was deliberate. I was conscious less of like the politics of this movie and more just enjoying it as entertainments. I mean, it is and like yeah. the, it's got the most cohesive pacing, the the best writing, the most effective take on Tony Stark as a character. And it has a um, it has a rapid vibrator joke for for a minute. Oh, you yeah. know that for a minute, I thought Tony was actually insinuating he bought uh, like sex vibrator for Pepper. And then later in the movie, there's just a giant stuffed rabbit, and you realize, oh, that's the rabbit he was referring to. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that there was a vibrator called the rabbit, so I didn't. You, oh, really? Do you this think is, that's this intentional? Is, this, like, is, this is a. a I'm teaching Stu another thing, guys. Yeah, no, that's it's like mean, the I, most popular I, kind of vibrator with women. Oh, not the Hitachi. I mean that's popular too, but like the tra- like traditional vibrator. Well, I- anyways, anyways, this movie made a vibrator joke, which already gives it like much more credit as a movie than any of the other Iron Mans. Oh oh oh, um, Miguel, could you just get the clip from Predator where Shane Black says the you got a big pussy? No. Yeah. Well. Well, and, and and I mean, I'm going to have him do that when I reference the uh, pussy joke in the summary. But yeah, we're going to exploit the fuck out of Shane Black's whoa, whoa. bad pussy Predator joke. Predator directed by John McTiernan. Yeah. That would, wait, should we do? I mean, it feels obvious, but should we do? Predator I mean, that was going to be some my point? watch something else. Yeah. God, that movie rocks. That, that that's a good movie. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, there's no over the top violence that this the kind we sorely this, want. This movie has a lot of like but, things blowing up three feet from people and they're just like thrown across the room and maybe like there's a some ash smudge on their face, which is the thing that always drives me insane in movies. Like ex, 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 the concussive force of explosions like breaks bones and will like collapse your lungs. Yeah. Well if if you're like the pressure in your body can't change the right way and will send debris flying everywhere, which becomes shrapnel. It's like, yeah. 
I don't know. I wish explosions fucked people up in movies more than they do. Uh, well, I, I, I will also give this a, movie a little that's, bit of credit. That's a, that's a spur. Though, thing. because I think, uh, like, so the the power, the, the start, startup is, it's this thing called, it, AIM is investing in this thing called extremists, which is basically like, you can magically regrow your limbs and you're pretty much the T-1000 from Terminator yeah, 2. Yeah, it, it turns your body into like, a super healing nuclear furnace. You can also like shoot lasers or burn things by touching them. Uh, But yeah, if you don't control it, you explode. And covering up these explosions and exploiting them towards getting arms contracts is like part of why they created the Mandarin character and his Bin Laden terrorist context thing to make it seem like these... uh, uh, Usually accidents or terrorist attacks that they yeah. then exploit. I I did um, I did like the little detail they like because because we've made plenty of criticisms about how relatively bloodless the MCU is and how just impactless the violence. Excepting that guy going into the propeller, which except that yeah that rule. They got, and, and, I don't uh, know how they got that into one of these movies. That was amazing, as as well as uh uh, uh what's his name getting yeeted into that tree in in a. Yeah. Incredible Hulk. But uh I will I will say, even though it's like there's hardly any blood in this movie, the sheer idea of like like they show what happens when an explosion happens in such a close proximity and people are there that their outlines are just forever burned into oh, the wall, you know which I thought from? was cool. But that that is a direct reference to uh nagasaki and hiroshima mm. that is something that happened mm, when the yes. bombs went off yes 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 people's right. kind of shadows were burned yeah. into walls which um, is haunting imagery and it's especially very, for it's, a marvel movie yeah it's it's very uh um okay and again like these these indirect echoes of uh atomic warfare right and that kind of original point of science of of arms research uh, or military driven scientific research creating like something that never should have been brought into existence that kind of promethean terror well yeah that's um, well that's a big part of this movie that too. runs through all that i mean that runs through all the stuff back to its origins right like it was all kind of radiation was the original cause of like every superpower in the early Marvel stuff. And, um, well, because but that, it, that becomes like a big point of this movie. Um, I think it's, uh, like they, they reference, uh, uh, the Nazi rocketeer Werner von Braun about how he initially just really wanted to invent space travel and oops, Ended up inventing rockets for the Nazis. Yeah, he just he wanted to do the science so badly he would do it for anybody who who paid for whatever reason. Yeah, and and um, Rebecca Hall says at one point, um, and I'll, I wrote this down. Uh, See, we all begin wide eyed, pure science, and then the ego steps in, the obsession, which the unsaid thing there is, it's also money, but like yeah. the 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 point is this. I think much more directly than either the first two Iron Man movies is really probing at like how powerful or how 
how science can go can be corrupted and I- idealism can go awry like the idealism of an iron man figure of this giant you know all this billionaire who's able to privatize world peace something that sounds n- nice and good and uh you know cool and concepts in reality would beget great violence and destruction and this is well, it, just, it, it, it touches more upon that than any of well, the that's, other that's that's also movies. like like tony's arc in this is he's coping with his anxiety and sense of powerlessness in the face of what happened in the avengers which is like something that just this type of movie in general almost never does which is like even hint at there being psychological ramifications to suddenly being like oh there's gods and aliens and all this shit um which I, I do kind of appreciate, even if it's you know it's like relatively modest in how it does it. Um, and he's his solution to that is to just turn towards obsessively building new and better Iron Man suits at the expense of his relationship and everything else in life and avoiding his problems. And there's that whole thing like he's got the remote suit that like flies on him in pieces, and he's like facing the mask of the suit, and yeah. it flies on him and he has to catch it and then the suit's broken and disembodied from him and and him and the kid are talking about it like the suit is iron man and he's tony stark and then yeah at the end he blows up all the suits and is like well okay i'm gonna and but remember what is um, last what what's the last thing tony says in this movie uh save save the line tony I am Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, you know, they're, they're, there's like there's this like bifurcation of personality. It's kind of a safety blanket. Him, you know. It's, it, I mean, it's none of it's like Iron, crazy, Iron, especially Iron deep Man or anything. Tony Stark's security blanket. That's actually, I, it is. I don't know. That that's is a kind of what they're doing in part. Um, yeah, it's the thing he like when he has his panic attack in the bar. What does he do? He jumps in the suit where he feels safe. Yeah, he jumps in the and, suit and powerful and control. And what does this movie do? Is it takes him out of the suit for a lot of it and he's got to like yeah, MacGyver together weapons which was yeah. the most exciting action in the movie yeah there's in the middle part where he doesn't have the suit and he's trying to yeah has, has to just a be good a chunk su- of this movie is just tony just tony stark not in the iron man suit like there's compared to the other movies there's much less iron man action like iron man himself um, yeah like doing blowing up shit it's yeah tony has and to it, MacGyver it, it, it's, shit together it's the best action in in the movie anyway at the end of the movie his suits keep getting he keeps he's got all of his automated suits flying around he keeps jumping into one guy uh a guy pierce blows it up and he jumps out jumps another one guy pierce blows it up and, and they keep putting him in that position of of being a guy relying on his uh, genius and quick wits to get out of situations instead of the suit, which is both thematic, but makes for, I think, the best action in the movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think this movie also has really great action set pieces like that. Um, the uh, plane scene yeah, was really cool. Even when he's in the suit, it does the best job of making it like, oh, when he gets thrown into a building or or, or something, it's like, the most impactful seeming like you might yeah. kind of believe that the guy in the suit is getting knocked around and hurt a little bit. Um, so it's it even manages to make the most of, of that and have less of a problem 
than I usually have with this kind of thing, which is, yeah, where everybody's just, you know, CG cartoon men throwing each other into buildings without it feeling like any of it matters or hurts. I I just had a thought. And and I don't know, this this can be a a quick tangent, but I want to share this thought because the Iron Man suit is like, in a way, Tony is kind of like an iron furry. Because, like, fur- furries really like to wear the fur suits, and Tony really likes his Iron Man suit. I, and I, the I, inside I of the suit is probably, it, we, like, we really can develop a joke off that. bodily fluids and stuff. Well, the, also, I was thinking earlier, do you think he has a fuck suit? Like, like an Iron Man suit with a big dong oh, that well, he uses sure to fuck Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh, well, I'm sure has been written with that. I am A big positive, vibrating I, I am mega positive dong. fan work of that exists. I bet my life on it. If if it doesn't, that's a crime. Um, but yeah, that's that's the Marvel movie they don't want you to see. That they don't want you to see the I well, no, that's probably an actual Iron Man porn parody. It's probably called like Iron Dick. No, no, porn parodies don't have the budget to do anything like that. They're really half assed. Well, it well, it's probably a shitty looking tinfoil suit with just like a <laughs> vibrator taped on. <laughs> like a like a guy in uh red and gold uh beer boxes like one yeah of the, just spray that, painted that guy with that the metallic spray paint cons. yeah like that but it's a but there's just like a, a shitty rabbit vibrator strapped to the crotch uh i thought they were good <laughs> vibrators well you're contradicting I, I, I can't believe this is are they are, are they popular but overrated are they what are they like the apple phone of vibrators no the rabbit no, they're they're beloved worldwide. That's why that's why I I legit was like, wait, are they seriously? Did Tony seriously like get Pepper a nice like expensive rabbit vibrator? And that's which would make sense because he's so emotionally like physically unavailable. Because ooh, a depression, PTSD, small bean. I I make more Iron Man suits in my garage. So he, like, he does, it, ma- it would have do- made sense. A scene that I feel like was like taken right out of the scene right out of Watchmen where uh, Dr. Manhattan is like working on a thing while another version of himself is. Oh, yeah. Fucking, fucking uh, uh, Soul Soul Spectre. Spectre, Yeah. And they have him like talking to Pepper in the suit and giving her a back massage. But the suit is being remote piloted and he's down. Well, in the they, 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 he did. Stuff. He was. Yeah. He was remote piloting the suit, which is like this movie also allows Tony to be just a. To really fuck it up with Pepper. Yeah. Which is like, that is like a huge part of the movie is him completely taking this woman for granted, even though. Even, she even though it's Gwyneth loves Paltrow, him. And, <laughs> and even though she, she runs Goop, and even though uh, apparently she was born rich, even though she's also a girl boss, but their, their relationship is believable. Um, and I have to say, I do, I do. Love us. She did that moment, and at the end of this movie, she did do that. Which yeah, I gotta respect. Inject her with the the nuclear atomic cell magic, and oh, you think it's gonna kill her, and you think she's dead, and oh no, she's no, she yeets Guy Pierce. Yeah, yeets him with an iron beam or something. They they set up that she wants to like they had a thing too, and and she wants to fuck him because now he he was in the beginning of the movie. He's like a kind of like a. Uh, he, a, a he had like MS. Nerd. 
Yeah. Like MS and or then, some sort of bone degenerate disease. I think he's seen uh, the name of it in the movie and he passes it off as that. like, oh, you know, physical therapy has done wonders. And it's no, it's because he he injected himself with nuclear uh, limb regrowth juice. He's uh, and he's oh yeah, and he becomes a, a chatty boy. He, he becomes like first movie, first act of the first movie. Yeah, he goes star. from uh, he, he very self-consciously becomes that becomes that type of guy. Um, and and you can see they have like that scene where like um him and Pepper like getting really horny for each other. Um, when he's still trying to solicit investment from Stark. Oh, this is the only time we see Stark Industries like looking like an actual business that has employees and does things. Yeah, because they make a uh, there's a whole scene about how uh, before Hogan falls into a coma, he's just been promoted to chief security officer and he's just terrorizing people because he's, oh, yeah, he's so just authoritarian. Being insanely anal retentive and and uh, 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 overbearing. <laughs> he says, hold on, he. He says he says something insane. He he says at one point I had to write this down as well um, because he he's speaking about wanting to replace the uh, entire janitorial staff with robots. Yeah. He says uh, what I'm saying is that the human element of human resources is our biggest point of vulnerability, <laughs> which I wrote. What the fuck? <laughs> but what's fucked up even more is Pepper agrees. Well, she kind of I think she more agrees just in a way of like you know. Like, oh, your five-year-old nephew is talking to you about dino trucks, and you gotta be like, oh, that's that sounds really cool. Just she's gotta talk him down, <laughs> or else well, he's, he's gonna. He talks about how safety Tony's had these like uh, crazy futuristic robots in his basement, so he can they can justify him building all his own suits at home by just giving him an automatic factory. And it's like, why aren't these doing janitorial work or something? Um, he mentions, which is kind of like pointing out like, oh, yeah, there's all this sci-fi technology in this world, but none of it seems to impact the actual state of the world ever. Um, yeah, they gesture at it sometimes with like, oh, arc reactor, the Tesseract well, will solve the energy crisis. Yeah. But then it never does. Well, it never matters. This one we just keep does because like the vice president gets arrested and the no, the, but like, the, this, you know, you never like. After years and years of these movies in this rich, dynamic, yeah. immersive universe. No, I know what you mean. The the world is always just outside the superhero stuff. It's always just the world cities get blown up. Yeah. And nothing really changes. There's all this sci-fi technology. Nothing really changes. People are still worried about global warming when they bother to gesture at it. People are still puttering around in Toyota Corollas that don't fly or that are still on internal combustion engines. It's It is like... Like, like a complete, like, part of it is I think it's like, well, we can't let the world get too different from the real world. Yeah. Uh, but it's also just like lazy and a failure of imagination and nobody wants to, they, they don't see a need to go there. So nobody wants to go through the effort of going there, even though it would actually, you know, if you're going to bother having a cinematic universe, seeing where it diverges from the real world might make it more interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, also, um, I think it it also helps that S.H.I.E.L.D. is relatively absent from this movie. They're totally absent they're from like this totally movie. They're like totally absent, which is, so that's the equivalent Tony, of Tony like, mentions hacking their database along the FBI and CIA. That's what it is. Yeah, well, that, which puts S.H.I.E.L.D. on the same level as like the FBI and CIA, which 
answers a burning question we both had about the what shield is and what it functions as in this universe and the answer is it's they're the feds um but yeah i think like them being completely absent really works too because like the shield is one of those things that you have to have in your marvel movie because it it is that superstructure that ties everything together. This works much more as a standalone movie. It feel it has elements that feel more like a standalone. Yeah, and I I think that's by design. Yeah. Well, again, it's very much like trying to course correct from Iron Man Two, which is this movie that kind of just flails around and doesn't really go anywhere and doesn't really you know it kind of it brings up like Tony's alcoholism and whatever, and then it they just sort of falls away God, yeah that, that that movie and that again that movie had elon musk in it and this movie already improves because the slapjock guy no, shows up for like 0. 0.2 seconds oh yeah, yeah that the, every time and i feel like the when you know the twist the mandarin's like scary uh broadcasts are like funny like i think they're meant to be funny they're meant to be funny it's all fake well because there's um, there's one um there's one they, thing. Yeah. It's like a it's like a commercial, and I don't know. This might be a real commercial. It's for like Sweet Lou's strength training program. <laughs> I um, don't know. I know. I mean, we, we, you mentioned the slap chop guy. That's reappears. It's just a snippet of. It's um, a snippet of it. And one and I, one of those comes up. I rewound like multiple times because it it appears so fast. It's almost like a subliminal message where I was like, it. What the fuck was that? So we rewound it, and I'm like, is that the fucking... And indeed it was. I, I paused it, and I brought my roommate Fallon into the room. I'm like, I need to show you something. I was, you know, positioned them away from my TV, and I said, I'm about to show you... I'm in the middle of watching Iron Man 3. You are not going to be able to guess what is on this screen right now. And I showed them, and they're like, what? He, um... The who he later, if I remember correctly, he ended up going to jail. For he he beat up a sex a worker, prostitute. Yeah, he beat up a sex worker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vince Offer. He's also uh, also uh, uh, hails from Israel. Yeah, I just uh, I just saw that. Um, that was a weird era of like celebrity as seen on TV guys. Remember Billy Mays? Billy Mays. Of course uh, I remember Billy one, Mays. One time, one time mayor of uh, Quickville, Virginia. Oh, yeah, that's right. This does not even deserve a captain's log introduction. We can't we can't let an episode go by without trying to make at least one Chris Chan reference, which is this is now like the second time I've talked about Chris Chan today. Um, but yeah, the, this I can you imagine the like media circus? Because they 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 talk about the media circus that follows like Tony's Malibu abode gets blowed up and he's presumed dead for maybe like forty eight hours and I'm just trying to imagine what the uh, what the like news cycle that day was like how everyone on Twitter was probably popping off what sort of things they were playing on TV like in memory of Tony Stark um, that would have been a it would have been an f- interesting day to have been on social media. I probably like if I mean the the news cycle was longer back then. <laughs> it would have ye old twenty thirteen. This is almost ten years ago now, which is weird to think about. Um, it it uh 
you know, it, it would have been like, yeah, it would have been like almost the whole time. It would have been all that was on uh, 2013. Yeah, it would have been like all that was on cable news until uh, he showed back up. It had just been alternating between Tony Stark missing and the Mandarin and him. He does say outright he's going to kill the Mandarin. Like he's not shy about killing. Oh, he definitely yeah, kills a couple dudes in this movie just casually. Well, he says and that's another like I wrote this down also because I find this to be a very politically charged line uh, kind of, you know, showing your hands at, at one. I think it's it's just oh, before this Tony. Isn't politics. It's just. Yeah, engines this, or something like that. Yeah, no, he says there is no politics here. It's just good old fashioned revenge. And then Tony doxes himself like a total fucking idiot, which I another little thing I like. He's so prideful and so arrogant. And like, that's one of his big weaknesses. And it's a realistic attribute of what this kind of guy would be like. And he's so boastful that he he has the confidence to literally just dox himself and think he's going to be fine. And nope, your, your whole house and your Tesla's get blown up so consequences this this movie allows there to be consequences to tony's prickishness and i live at 14 branchland court ruckersville virginia <laughs> come fight me <laughs> i want everything about my house off the internet <laughs> it's like you're being awfully quiet what are you looking at <laughs> I couldn't remember. I knew. I remember. I know the rest from memory. I just couldn't remember the number. I was good. I, I mean, to make sure I got it. I right. remember most of the lyrics from Blue from memory, except for that little part. So that's the weird things the human mind retains. Um, yeah. So I, I I like that Tony uh, doxes himself because the 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 best version of Tony Stark is the version that pokes fun at his own arrogance in yeah. that kind of manner, uh, which you know rather than completely celebrating him as this cool, completely untouchable figure who, oh, you know, he's just a, just a small bean and wah, 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 which, I mean, in some, all Tony Stark Iron Man mo- arcs do come down to like, oh, there's, you know, he's he's got everything, but he's, you know, broken inside like that. Yeah, well, that's, shit, I mean, that's every, that's every everything. story where the main character is rich is, Oh, well, you know, you can have everything. Money can't buy but still everything. still have poverty of spirit or not have friends or whatever it is, right? Um, because that's the only way to make them interesting or sympathetic. Uh, um, let me let me go, go through a little bit more uh, things I, I noted about this movie. Um, I, this- I do think the, the anxiety thing, it does kind of not. It does feel like it kind of peters out. Like, I mean, it is resolved. It feels like it's kind of like loses. It gets kind of left out a little bit. Well, they, the, the, end, end the, movie. the end credit scene is they they were the, the reveal is that his overarching narration, Tony's been relaying the events of the film to Bruce Banner, who's fallen asleep because Tony, the asshole he is, is treating Bruce like a therapist and projecting onto him. Oh, you don't shit. I didn't. You didn't watch right. it. I liked. I, you I know forgot what? to. It was. It was nice because in in general, it also wasn't trying to set anything up. Like all a lot of these, if not most, of the Marvel end credit scenes, they're just there to set something up for another movie. Yeah, um, no, and this just kind of deflate. Yeah, this kind of deflated because you, you, you the, the narration 
I remember the opening narration I was worried. before we go down to end is over all of his suits blowing up. And it, yeah, it's kind of like setting up like this is an, an ominous, heavy end of Tony Stark's story. And then it kind of, uh, I mean, the whole movie is kind of deflating him a bit because his arc is in part learning to appreciate the people around him and not be such a self-involved guy. Um, but he still you know, obviously kind of is. And, that, I mean, and that's why the movie works is because it's not asking you to think he's, you know, he's, he's sympathetic enough to be the main character, but it's not asking you to think he's totally epic all the time or to, um, uh, to, to think he's totally likable. It's, uh, I mean, and I mean, he kind of has a few moments where he fucks up. He's remote piloting the suit and flies it into that truck and it just smashes to pieces. Yeah. Um, like he's not, um. Actually, that new Batman has that too, where he he's like doing the paragliding thing off a building and then fucking hits an overpass and just okay. <laughs> so did you did you watch the Batman before or after Iron Man three? Because you watched him like back to back. I watched him back to back. Yeah. Because um, I was just I, I saw a review on Letterbox that like made because I didn't really care about that movie until uh, just one of my Twitter friends wrote about it on Letterbox and was like I was like okay all right I'm. Enough people have said enough things that made me kind of curious about it. And I thought it was within the confines yeah. of now what I'm it is gonna have to and watch it. what we can, within the confines of what it is and where expectations are at, at the in the present moment, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, on, clearly on, I'm going to have to watch on, this On now. that grading on that curve, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I assume we'll talk about it when we get to it on the show, and that'll be good to have distance from it. I might feel differently outside the immediate context of it yeah but, uh, you know I, I i think you know it's uh, a solid four star movie in so much as ratings are kind of bullshit a solid four star out of five and yeah uh, I, I would say <laughs> as far as batman movies go where i'm at now i would say it's maybe roughly in the same ballpark as batman returns i mean i if i now i want to watch it if only for like a thirst watch because I think Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz are very beautiful people. Like Robert Pattinson fits into that uh, category of men who he, look like they're he, sick and dying really, that I really he, like. He really looks like um, Robert Smith in this movie. Which, you know what? Hell yeah. <laughs> I, like a, I like a sickly emo looking guy. Let's it's fucking a good, go. It's a good way to do Bruce Wayne, I think, as this guy's like, yeah, he he's up all night every night sleeps all day looks like kind of like like shit in a way that i is probably hot probably stinks if you're yeah oh, probably I, does um, like just and, and zoe kravitz seems to be channeling like as much eartha kit energy as she can i'm i'm fucking here for that i love i love me some eartha kit um even though i her her they're they're really i think they're leaning more into like the bank robber aspect or the robbery aspect of Catwoman less less so than like you know the the Michelle Pfeiffer uh camp aspect which Catwoman is all you know what brief tangent but Catwoman is always like the best part of Batman at least to me I I, 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 I like was, I've, I've been re-watching Batman the animated series here and there um which is just like one of those things like you know you, you like to revisit those things that you haven't seen in like 25 years and it's just kind of like see what what it's like as an adult 
and refresh those like old and that feeling when you watch something you haven't seen since you're a kid that you barely remember and all those old it's like oh i remember this yeah um and i was thinking as i watched it like why isn't why why haven't we gotten really anything like with Catwoman or a Catwoman like kind of like you know like chaotic there was. neutral it was it starred char- Holly Berry and it was terrible well I was gonna say anything good like yeah like Catwoman is arguably a better character to hang this kind of thing off of because you can sort of um she's not a rich lady either go, yeah so you, you don't have that to go all different uh, directions with it well the well the Batman uh, the new Batman movie also like Coming off the Joker, it also does a lot of gesturing at kind of like class warfare stuff. Okay. Um, uh, you know, like Catwoman outright says, like, I think I, I, I'm kind of okay with what the Riddler's doing. These people deserve it. Um, and there's kind of like Batman, like, I don't think all of this beating up criminals seems to actually be accomplishing anything. I mean, it's, it's still kind of gestural. Yeah. It's still trapped in the thing or has to come around and say, Batman is basically good and we do need him to beat up guys to have a movie. But it's also like, it's not relying on Batman being a paragon of anything. He's just like, watching it, it's like, oh, Batman is a a fucked up guy who fights crime because he's fucked up. You don't have to take him at face value as like a moral paragon. Like basically sympathetic, but not, so so it works better that way. Like you can kind of just let it roll. Um, So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give it too much credit or and I don't want to give this movie too much credit either. Like I'm I'm yeah. grading on a to, to get back I'm to grading on a curve um the, for, yeah, for the, both the of curve. these. But on that curve and I like that new Batman. Um but um yeah speaking of speaking of terrorism because I whenever we talk about these movies we're always gonna have I just realized we're like 9-11 is forever. Terrorism and just the war on terror is just a in Intricit, I did not say that word correctly, but it it's innate in the fabric of these movies. And they're they're like there's there's one scene that like is is so obvious in like the, the in like what it's depicting, it almost felt like like it bordered on like a Verhoeven moment to me. It's when like Rhodey in full Iron Patriot gear, he like busts into oh. Pakistan. So, and he, he finds like not terrorists hiding in a cave, but just these these poor women trying to read and go to school. And it's just in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, we just fucking do that every day. He, he there. and there's another scene, yeah, where he busts in on just a bunch of guys in turbans, and it's because he's Rhodey and he's as a character a basically a decent guy. He doesn't immediately murk all of them without thinking but he is armed to the teeth in a robot suit just busting down captain america skin based on bullshit intelligence yeah in an american flag just just harassing people on the other side of the world for he's, no reason yeah he's just terrorizing and threatening them people. with guns um so like yeah i don't know like like i said like this i, like, I don't want to give it too much credit but on that curve of where these movies usually are it's 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 probably the most cohesive and yeah at least gesturing at a criticism of this and stuff. and don't um, forget the uh the uh aim think tank literally created false flag terrorism yeah i mean <laughs> this is what he says right he says it explicitly right here i already had like mandarin equals bin laden because you know there's oh yeah you bin simply, laden has you direct rule, ties to the cia so you, you simply can always rule wonder from behind the scenes stuff. because the second you give evil face a bin laden a Gaddafi, 
really dates this movie. A Mandarin, you hand the people a target, which is, I mean, knowing what we know about Gaddafi now, I don't know if, if and anyone who's that watched was, a, that was on, that anyone was, who's watched an Adam Curtis documentary, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, that that he uh, he did not do the Lockerbie bombings. Yeah, um, uh, but I mean, he did this not, was, this he was didn't the era WMD program to give up. That was it was all theater. It was all theater between him and the West. Uh, it was all uh, all kayfabe. So yeah, like I yeah I don't know I was surprised it again on that curve. I was surprised at how relatively coherent it was and what it was uh doing like like really like i like said this is it's a i like you know it's a pretty decent movie like in that parallel universe where this was the baseline and we only got one like every couple years i I would be totally fine with marvel movies yeah and it's yeah this is oh also the the the, the, more prominent sun oracle product placement Oh, where was that? I didn't even notice that. It was like right heavy in frame. I forget where, but it was like uh, Tony's lab or uh, okay, yeah. It was oh, like really, it was know. like really, really prominent in frame. Okay, but that's like really that kind of product placement is really funny to me because it's like the guy, no one sitting at home is going to go buy Sun Oracle fucking server racks or anything. Well, like this well, is all commercial industrial grade. There was stuff money involved, probably. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. But I mean, it's just funny to it's funny to buy a product placement for stuff that's not consumer oriented. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not like, like uh, Superman being thrown into a Coca-Cola stand. Yeah. Like Coca-Cola makes sense. Uh, Audi. It makes sense. Tesla. Sun Oracle. Car. Yeah. Yeah. Sun Oracle. Like and like honestly, even like Lockheed Martin and stuff like whether or not. The Air Force buys the F-35 is like not related to public sentiment. It'll <laughs> Yeah. Um I also noticed they stole uh uh there's uh Killian uh walking out of the fire at the end there. Uh very much feels like the shot near the end of the original Terminator. Oh the, yeah, when I, he well, comes, I mean, the, the whole, truck explodes. The whole extremist plot line feels very like T one thousand to me. Like they they basically are T one thousands, like they to can, an ex- yeah I guess I didn't think about that but to an extent yeah they are, um, should oh god Terminator two which is you know what I think we can <laughs> this funny how like the better of these movies we're we're already kind of out of things to say about it yeah so, I mean it's it's not like yeah it's I mean it's not because we're not we don't have too it's much not to like criticize really, it's not like really politically provocative or, or profound it's just coherent and competent and, and entertaining it's enough. a solid it's a solid movie and all the pieces work and the characters make sense and the it, 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 the politics are more coherent and a little bit little yeah. bit better than they usually are this, uh, this is the this is the algorithm working efficiently well i i don't know if it's or or, or the just the, the formula the marvel formula working <laughs> And it is the form- I mean, like at its best. It's it's the it is a formula, yeah. But I mean, this is that earlier era of blockbuster when you had formulas and you had people guessing, making informed guesses at demographics. But that was still filtered through some you know somebody with a degree of 
creative autonomy and ideas. Like there, there was a, a, a there, there was still a relatively strong human element, and what, and that's like what we're going to lose as we go on is that human element will be increasingly diminished, and even like the 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 commercial element will become more algor algorithmic, yeah. uh, and less like producers doing cocaine and guessing at what people like right now yeah uh, that's... which which would sometimes still give you interesting results by oh comparison. oh like the fucking super mario brothers movie that that movie was that movie, ag- executive that produced movie. by that, cocaine that movie is uh it's it's the, that's the kind of movie like you don't get anymore which is like uh baffling a big weird. budget fiasco yeah, yeah. everything's like when when big like big budget movies now are rarely really bad, they're just the the worst I, kind of. I, I don't know. I hear those Fantastic Beast movies are real stinkers, and yet they keep churning them out. Which yeah, who's, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Those? I'm gonna say this here, but like if if you're still a Harry Potter fan, you should be embarrassed. Like, not like in general, Harry Potter adults are just embarrassing, but like. It doesn't need to be said that J.K. Rowling is a piece of shit turf. Like that's oh, yeah. just that's just a fact. But she was also very vocally anti-Jeremy Corbyn. So oh yeah, and I think she she inadvertently also in like posted something about like being anti-union too. So I well, of course. yeah, no one should be just it's stop it. Get some help. No. <laughs> Please and thank you. Um, yeah, so I guess since since we're kind of done I mean, those books done even with... go to shit after the fourth one, too. Like, even if you're reading them at the most basic level, like, I, I don't know. Um, any, anyways, I guess, because there's, there's a lot of alternate viewing recommendations we could give based on this movie. I yeah. Think. Like, because this was, like, we already mentioned Predator, which was going to be my go-to uh, watch something else, because that's... It's not directed by Shane Black, but he uh, he wrote. No, he didn't write this. Well, he's in it. He's in it, and he he gets uh, murked by the predator for making bad pussy jokes. The other day, I was going down to my girlfriend. I said to her, "Jace, you got a big pussy." Jace, you got a big pussy. She said, "Why did you say that twice?" And I said, "I didn't." See. It's because of the echo. Yeah. So predator. I mean, predator is like a classic action movie um if you haven't seen predator it's it's one of those crucial 80s like mon- like die hard like obviously alien and aliens it's like a pinnacle of pop culture especially you know the yeah. 80s it's but it's the mega it's, action I think it's it's a bit sly too like i think oh, yeah. it's because it, it is it's it's predator is a bit subversive because it's it, the first act is like Commando or something like that. Like Arnold and all these muscle men are in the jungle kicking ass. And then it flips the script and makes them the victims of something even more big and muscular and badass than they are. It it, it takes the protagonists of a, an 80s action movie and makes them the victims in a slasher movie. And that's why Predator is uh, holds up, is, is that genius... Uh, combination and the same way like terminator takes the the architecture of a slasher movie and turns it to an action movie yeah Um, that's what that's the beauty of like 
both like Predator and Terminator. And I guess I I don't know. I think I've probably already recommended Terminator 2. But if not, I'm going to also recommend Terminator 2 just based on the fact that the extremist technology is just lifted from I mean, the T-1000. Terminator 2 is when like genre movies and action movies started getting like insane triple digit million dollar yeah. budgets. Yeah, oh, that was that was and cinematic's peak in my opinion. Like, yeah, Terminator 2 rules, well, but it, 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 it's, it, it also kind of set the stage for a lot of what would become terrible about blockbusters. The same yeah. way like Resident Evil 4 rules and it wasn't, like ruined horror games. It wasn't matched until Fury Road. In my opinion, um, but yeah, Terminator. What about was, the Matrix? Or, Different or kind Ma- of action movie. I I will give the edge to Fury Road because I think that the Matrix. I I do I love the Matrix, but aspects of it feel still pretty dated. Um, True. Yeah, but I just mean like if as a high <laughs> a high water mark in action movie. Oh yeah, in like big as a blockbuster action movies between Terminator Two and Fury Road. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like, Terminator Two really kind of like redefines the action movie for the 90s oh it was the definitive the matrix redefines the action movie for the 2000s yeah i i think that's a so they kind of make uh bookends uh yeah yeah, no terminator 2 is is uh just a perfect it's perfect it was it was yeah it's one of those movies it sets the stage for the next decade of movies while being a culmination of the decade of movies that came before it um, I, I think my dad had me and my sister. I was way too young when I watched it. I must have been maybe like seven or eight. Maybe like my sister must have been like five or something. And that, my dad I mean, was just I letting was, us watch Terminator 2. I, I'm pretty sure I the first time I saw that movie, I was literally a baby. Like, I don't remember ever having not seen it. I grew up with that movie. <laughs> just just you with a rattle and like a, a high chair just sat in front of the TV and it's not Sesame no. Street. You're, you're just watching Terminator 2. No, literally. I'm yeah. not even kidding. I, I mean, that movie came out in theaters the summer after I was born. It would have come out in home video when I was probably about a year old. Um, like, I like one of my very earliest memories is watching it. Not kidding. Like, That's amazing. The, one of my earliest accessible memories is of Terminator 2. As, as opposed <laughs> of to the, me who... Of the, up of the nuclear wasteland and the and the Terminator stepping on yeah. the skull and crushing it and the like fried yeah. tricycle with the little spinning wheel that's been seared into my memory my entire like comprehending life. Yeah, um, uh, like I said, I also to... grew up with Total Recall. My parents well, didn't censor my media intake. Well, you had a blessed childhood then, but I as really opposed did. to me who only watched uh, Predator for the first time like two years ago, uh, while well, it was uh, my. Job was working at the library when I was a grad student. So for during like summer break, I was working and I would just take some of the like a DVD from the DVD collection, put it on while I did like spreadsheet work. And so I, I bought that's how I watched Predator. And uh, yeah, I mean, can't it's it's the high tier of 80s action. Oh yeah, movies. and just outrageously hyper, like yeah. I think comedically, deliberately, like insanely hyper masculine. Like it's got oh, two the, former the, well, the meme. who are bodybuilders in it. Yeah, that's where that comes from, guys. If if you didn't know the uh, the the meme of the uh, the two Jack guys holding hands, that's from this movie. That's that's from here. That's their origin. Um, and you know what? Since since you brought up. The Batman and Robert Pattinson. My other recommendation is going to be David Cronenberg's Cosmopolis. Uh, 
because that's David Cronenberg has a new movie that's coming out this year, Crimes of the Future, which are are you as hyped for that as I am? Because I'm real fucking uh, hyped. I didn't, I didn't even know about it. I haven't actually seen Have a you seen lot the trailer? Of, oh, it's uh, so Eastern, cool. Eastern Promises is like the only David Cronenberg movie I've seen from this century. Oh, no. The tra- it's, you gotta, I, I've you been gotta meaning watch to watch. The, I've been meaning to watch Cosmopolis and stuff for a Cosmopolis, long, uh, for a while. I was I very around. scared at the beginning because there is some really fucking bad rear projection photography at the very beginning. I was really scared. I was like, oh, that looks terrible. And then Robert Pattinson gets a prostate exam. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. I was, I, you know, thought thought he lost me. I am sorry, David Cronenberg, that I ever doubted you. That, that, yeah, that happened. Um, but yeah, Cosmopolis is, uh, Robert Pattinson plays like a tech billionaire who's just riding around New York in his fancy, super technological limousine, trying to get a goddamn haircut across town while there are riots going on in the street. There's a funeral being held for a major uh, rapper who just keeled over and died and didn't get shot, which would have been politically convenient because... Robert Pattinson's uh, company owns that record label. It's a it's a nice it's a nice examination of how pervasive capitalism is, and it also throws in enough weaky, freer, weird Cronenberg shit. Um, you know, it's the appropriate level of horny for when you go into a David Cronenberg movie. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Robert Pattinson probably got offered the Bruce Wayne role based on cosmopolis like it it would make sense to me maybe yeah i you're making me way more interested in seeing it now because i never knew much about it after it came i didn't hear much about it but now like i it sounds like it's kind of like almost like it is is it more on the dark comedy side to an extent no well it's well there was that there was like so the the new movie crimes of the future that's coming out like this is being marketed as his big return to body horror um, uh-huh. Which he hasn't. He he really had. Grunenberg hasn't done like an outright body horror movie since the nineties. Really, um, existed. I but, guess. Yeah. Right. But there are elements like there's some really grotesque violence that happens in Como- Como- Cosmopolis. Like that's on par with like oh yep that's a that's a Cronenberg bit of violence. Like so it's it's. It's one of those movies you can't define. You can't define it. It's not a horror movie, and it's not like a body horror movie. But it it pulls elements and like like I guess you could could classify it as a drama thriller. Although it's 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 very it's much slower paced than a thriller would allow you to think. But it's it's one of those movies where it's like the the genre is kind of nebulous. It's a Cronenberg movie. It's a Cronenberg yeah. movie. But you know the the body horror element take is more of like a metaphorical um metaphorical role in this movie i think but there is there is your your nice sweet spot for uh cronenberg violence which which happens and and did i mention that robert pattinson gets a prostate exam in the movie you're just thrilled by the idea of putting it was body. well it was just it just happens it just happens he's <laughs> he has like a doctor he has on call and because he's a rich narcissist, he has to have a doctor's examination every day to make sure no one's trying to poison him or something. 
And that Jesus. includes just that includes just having his prostate examined. And oh no, he has an asymmetrical uh he has an asymmetrical uh prostate. And that is something that very much troubles Robert Pattinson in Cosmopolis. He makes a big deal an out of it. Asymmetrical prostate? Yeah. He's he's told that his, his <laughs> prostate is asymmetrical and he like multiple times asked people like I've been diagnosed with an asymmetrical prostate. How how should I feel about that? Thank thank you. So it has it it has like a similar amount of like it it feels kind of similar to Crash in certain aspects. So like like you know how Crash isn't a like straightforward body like it's not a horror movie but it has a lot of body horror like elements in there it's it's it's, it's like it, that it, it climaxes with um uh james spader eating ass a leg yeah. i thought it was when Crash, he fucks that vagina looking leg ass. leg wound and and that holly hunter has no that's uh i haven't Rosanna seen Crash in a long long time that's oh, Rosanna Arquette. Arquette. he has not he has holly the uh, pussy wound yeah why did I think Ho- it was Holly Hunter? Ho- well, Holly Hunter's the hot brunette. Uh, yeah, okay. So I haven't. I saw Crash on basic cable when I was like thirteen. Cra- so Crash. I mean, time. I know. <laughs> also, we're just also recommending Crash. Crash is a certified banger, and fuck you, Francis Ford Coppola. You could have let David Cronenberg have the Palme d'Or, but no, you you were like, this isn't cinema. This is cinema. May I present you Jack starring Robin Williams. And that was. Oh, that fucking movie. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's and anytime anyone remembers that movie, that's the response. Oh, that fucking movie. <laughs> um, uh, I, I only have one recommendation um, because Guy Pierce is in this movie and uh, the Mandarin evokes uh, the slaughter of Native Americans in the 19th century at one point. That's and- true. Yeah. And um, there's the you know, there's like that vague kind of gesturing critique at yeah, um, imperialism and militarism. Like. Um, so I want to recommend a movie starring uh, Guy Pierce and uh, noted pedophile Jeffrey Jones Uh-oh. and uh, Neil McDonough and others. Uh, 1999, a big year for movies. Um, 1999's Ravenous, an, an almost forgotten. I've never heard of this. Hold on, horror western. Question mark? An ambiguously defined movie. It's it's a little bit messy, but it's really interesting. Um, yeah, kind of a horror movie, kind of a dark comedy. Okay. Uh, uh, that is about uh, uh, guys in a very remote U.S. outpost in the mountain passes heading towards California. Oh, David Arquette's in it. Speaking of the Arquettes. Oh, yeah, David Arquette's in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, as, it's as really well as noted pedophile Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really know how to describe the movie without spoiling it. Uh, well, um, well, Letterbox uh, categorizes it as a western horror adventure. Uh, yes and no, uh, <laughs> and and it, it similar films: Bone Tomahawk, Hannibal. Yeah. What the fuck is this movie? Dog soldiers? What the fuck? Oh, I've seen that. What the? Okay, but the. Okay, I don't know. Look at the. The. Yeah, I've seen that. I, I'm showing Sue a uh, picture of uh, the uh, header image for dog soldiers on Letterbox, and it's 
bunch of people pointing guns at this giant hulking werewolf monster, and it's kind of insane looking. And I'm kind of it's really uh, it's it's a British movie from the like 2004, I think. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, it's like a bunch of uh, British paratroopers do a training mission in Scotland, where it's like relatively remote. Nothing in the UK is really remote, but um, by, no, they're all uh, in and, red. And they, um, and they, uh, it, it kind of be, it just becomes like a siege movie where it's just like commandos, uh, SAS guys fighting werewolves. I remember. I mean, I haven't seen it since I was a teenager. I remember it being pretty decent. Damn. Well, you know what's not going to be decent. When we have to, our next movie, we have to fucking watch Thor 2, The Dark yeah. World. Well, I mean, it might be easier to talk about because we'll be able to pick it apart more. I don't know. I'll I'll just, um, I'll just recount like the fact that I went on an unsuccessful date and saw it and I remember nothing about the movie except that Chris Evans has a cameo. That's, that's, if, if I get, <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm, that's all I'm probably going to end up talking about. I'm like, well, anyways, at least this movie has Chris Evans, which we've, We've determined so that remember- that is my that is my biggest weakness. Chris Evans is my critical weakness when it comes to Be- these being movies. an unsuccessful date. I'm guessing Chris Evans also had a cameo in your imagination that night. Ah, funny guy. Um, yeah. So that's next episode is probably going to be fun to listen to, but it's not going to be fun to prepare for. Guys, no, it's, probably not. This be, movie's going to be. Stinky. This will be the first one of these movies that I just have never seen. It's, get, you're not missing the, anything. You're we're getting not into missing the point anything. Now where I didn't, I started watching fewer and fewer of these. I've seen Avengers two, I've seen half of Civil War, I've which is seen, which is basically Iron Man four. Yeah, I've seen Spider Man Homecoming, and I've seen oh, I've seen Winter Soldier. I think that's it. Past th- those are the only ones I've seen. So we're, we're some of these are going to be new ground. Uh, yeah, mostly after um, it'll be completely new to me after. Um, Endgame, mostly. Like I, I, I haven't. I don't think I've seen Ant Man. Actually, oh, I've be... seen Ant Man too. That's probably the last one I saw. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we're fucking, fucking. Please pray for us going into Thor to the Dark World. Thor, we're, we're going into your, a dark you, and world. And you can't, you of... can't, you can't make the joke that the movie made your ass Thor. You can't do that again. Well, we're. I'm just, I'm just saying, we're going into a dark world of uh, bad movies. That's the dark, yeah, the dark world the, the, of IPs. The dark. Also, we'll, we'll be, well, I'll, I'll save it, but the because that movie is directed by Alan Taylor, the guy, the, the Sopranos guy, who did uh, oh. the Many Saints. So yeah, this also guy does not have a good track record. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, watch. I, I like. I feel like I can't do a good job selling it because it's a hard movie to describe without just getting into the plot and just spoiling it. But uh, yeah, check out check out Ravenous. It's overlooked. It's list. it's different. Uh, I think you'll find it interesting. All right. Well, next time we're gonna be talking about f- fucking Thor again. So, uh, oh, and and as of right now, we've I I put out a poll of what we should call our fans. And as of right now, it looks like we're going to be referring to our listeners as uh, my ego boosters, which is Nebs. which is an option I just threw in there as a complete joke. And that's the most popular. You know, the joke <laughs> option is always going to win. I know. You can't I put known. in a joke option if you actually want useful results. I thought Super um, Simps was going to get it. 
which uh, that was something that came to me in the shower. So I thought, obviously, the shower thought's going to win. So no, we're <laughs> we're our our fans are now officially known as Nicole's ego boosters. Yes, uh, I like. Uh, so thank you, all of our nebs, for listening. Um, our 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 neblings. Oh, and you should share nebbles. the news that you got. Uh, oh, plug. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, one of my short stories uh, will be published in uh, the the web magazine uh, Fugitives and Futurists uh, at the end of May. And uh, another of my short stories was published uh, in Punk Noir on April 5th. Um, uh, may or may not be a link in the episode description if I remember to put it in there, uh, but you can find it on my Twitter and, and so forth. Yeah. And me... Um, by this point, I've probably a uh, couple more views, hopefully, have come out for me on uh, the arts views. Um, probably I have a uh, I've contributed a little retrospective on Pink Flamingos uh, to celebrate its 50th anniversary. So be on the lookout for that. Um, yeah. So please, please give us a like, follow, comment, subscribe. What the fuck ever. Uh, let us, do you like this podcast? Do you love this podcast? Do you hate this podcast? In which case, shut up. We don't care. Um, no, no, but, hatred, all, all tension's good attention. All, go all, and, and yeah, it. all press is good press. As long as you're listening to it. Um, um but yeah, if, uh, if anyone listening, if you have a Twitter, if you could just, uh, do us a solid follow. Do our, the, do our uh, job for us. At Marvelous Death account and just RT, uh, retweet everything that account posts um <laughs> yeah i don't know self-promotion's hard it, it kind of like be my ego boosters y'all are my ego boosters do it <laughs> i just say like you can tell i think from the orientation of the show we don't love commercialism in yeah, media I, I don't i don't like self-promotion it feels icky but it does but i've noticed when i post about the podcast a couple times you lose a day, followers the numbers go up or oh, uh, or, but you on lose the followers show. on your account. Actually, not really. I okay, joked. I, I joked about jo- it. Okay, I joked. I, you were for real. I joked about. Um, I said I'm going to keep uh, promoting the podcast until my uh, listener count equals my follower count on Twitter. It's going to take a while. And then I said because the follower count will have fallen that low, but uh, it seems mostly stable. I just uh, I've noticed though, like if I remind people to listen to the show, some of them will listen to it. If I don't. Uh, you know, so it is, it is true. You see all those people being like really annoying about the likes and the faves and subscribes. Like it, it they, you do have to do it if you want people to. Yeah. I got to get inventive um, with my strategy. Listen to the things you. Make. I think I'm, I'm I think I'm going to just start taking like thirst trap pictures with, with like a photoshopped like sign that says, listen to marvelous, like hiding certain, like, like, like. Like it looks, it so kind of gives like the safe for work porn kind of vibe, but it's everything. Yeah. Like, to see the to see the uncensored image, listen to marvelous. Become a <laughs> subscriber. There we go. That'll that'll be the ten dollar a month Patreon premium. Is Nicole nudes? Uh, yeah. You're not gonna get them. Sorry, guys. No. All right. Um, <laughs> you might get mine. <laughs> <laughs> that'll that'll be at a discount. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. The. That, no, that'll be the punishment. If you unsubscribe, I'll send you my. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, I I really gotta pee, <laughs> so we're gonna yeah, we're gonna say 
we're gonna say goodnight here and uh thank you everybody thank you guys we'll see you again with uh thor thor to the, my uh, ass the something thor. or other the, yeah. the, the dark snart bye bye Third, third time's the charm. I guess? Listen to me. Yes. Listen to me. Yes. Shut that goddamn thing off. I don't care what you do. You get all that stuff off of there.